Hello, and welcome to What the Tech from Boast AI, where we talk with some of the brilliant minds behind new and exciting shred initiatives to learn what it takes to tackle technological uncertainty and eventually change the world. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Patrick Pru, co-founder and CTO of NAC. NAC is a solution built by marketers for marketers. It's the first no-code campaign creation platform built for enterprise marketing teams that speeds time to market while empowering marketers to be creative. Love that last point. I'll leave it to Patrick to get into the nitty-gritty of what makes NAC such a disruptor in the space and how they were able to work with Boast to optimize their shred filing and drive even more innovation. With all that said, Patrick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Paul. Awesome. So to kick things off, and before we kind of dive into business side, I'd love to know more about your background. Uh, where did you get your start and what drove you to be a founder in the first place? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for asking. I've had a bit of a windy turny road to where I am. I went to school uh, for computer sciences, so always had a bit of a knack for computers and interest in building solutions and building things that that can help people. And then actually, it took a bit of a detour after uh, university, and I went to government, actually not even in, in IT or anything like that. I spent probably five years there, and then I somebody I was carpooling with had an idea for a startup and wanted to know if I'd be interested in kind of doing that with him. So I thought I saw it as an opportunity to kind of try coding again after not having done it for about five years and just absolutely loved it. So it got a bit of traction. We took a year off uh, my job at government, focused on that and just absolutely loved it. It didn't work out in the end. So I went back to government. And then at that point, I was like, I I got to get out of here. I got to get back into building things. So a buddy of mine had a company, uh, joined him there and uh, started getting into web development uh, with them. But I've always had a bit of a, an entrepreneurial side. Uh, my dad was always big into, uh, he had like uh, a drafting business. He had a, a sports shop that he managed and owned. Uh, he had residential property. So there's it always been kind of a bit of an entrepreneurial air around my dad and something that I kind of grew up in. So meeting Pierce, I uh he he had actually originally started NAC and it was sort of like the first version of NAC, which uh, was a little bit different than what we're doing now. Uh, but started working with him and then I kind of saw the opportunity that we're kind of tackling right now. And uh yeah, it's been a really windy turvy kind of path to where I am. But yeah, it's worked out super well. And I'm super kind of grateful and fortunate for for where we are now. That's so cool. I find it so interesting how in most of these founder stories, it's never a straight line. It's always been that windy path. It's always I started doing one thing, I thought I had an interest in this other thing. And the best part is that it usually always comes together at the end. So that like where you're at now, you're putting all the pieces together. So sounds like that's the case here. I would love to know a little bit more about NAC in particular. Now, I know that it's for marketers by marketers. Give me a little insight into that. As a marketer myself, this is music to my ears. So yeah, <laughs> at a high level, we are a, a platform for uh, marketing campaign creation. So we're a marketing technology platform uh, and we focus primarily at large enterprise companies. And what we do is we enable them to build out emails and landing pages and kind of scale that across uh, their organization. And then what we do is, is really the creation part, but we work very closely with all the different platforms that these large enterprise companies work with to send and track all of their, their lead data. So we send 
anything they create in NAC into those platforms. And, and then it works um, natively within those platforms. And it's really just that, that creation step. And we enable them to be able to do those things themselves, do it quickly. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I was personally battling a platform not to be named this morning, just trying to get some <laughs> newsletters out. Yeah. It's, it's not great when you come from a background where you don't necessarily need to know code um, and you want to do all that creativity. So a no-code way to go about this, it's fantastic for a marketer who really wants to just be focusing on doing some of that creative, doing that stuff that we've been trained to do. I think that's a lot of also leading into the R&D of it all. Um, what we try to enable people here at Boast is that, okay, we'll take care of the tax stuff. You guys focus on what you're actually here to do. So before I jump into that story, I know you did give us a little bit of background about the Genesis. Now, was Pierce that friend of yours who was in the carpool the first time, or was he your second friend who started the business? Yeah, he, he was a, it's a different friend. So Pierce, I actually met Pierce through a common contractor. So at the company I was with before, we worked with, with this guy and I got talking to him and he was telling me about what he was doing with Knack and Pierce and saying, hey, we need a little bit more bandwidth. With Knack, would you be interested in doing weekends, weeknights type of work? Um, because at that point, it was sort of just a hobby. And the idea was it was uh, just a templates library. People would download their templates and then send them over to their marketing automation platform. But I thought that was really interesting and then met Pierce kind of through him and started working together. And we worked really well together and then had the idea of well, we had a lot of customers that were asking us for more than just templates. They'd, uh, like you're saying earlier on coding, um, one of the big challenges, especially when you start getting into the email space, is the the coding side of things. There are very few email coders, and any kind of developer does not want to get into email coding if they can avoid it. So it was a really interesting space, and kind of had the idea that we could build something where they could do all this themselves, get their message out, build the the marketing content they want to build without having to deal with all the slow processes around having to code it out, reviewing on all the different email clients, all the back and forth that comes with that. So yeah, so that's sort of where Knack started and how I got started working with Pierce. That's awesome. All right. So now you said it kind of started originally more as just you were jumping in as they were getting rolling. And then it was almost like a side thing before it really developed into Knack as you know it today. What were some of the unique challenges or roadblocks that you faced in those early days? Yeah, in, in the early days, I think the, the integration piece was always a super interesting problem to solve. We're, we were working with some older technologies, some uh, technologies by Oracle and like Marketo is a, now an Adobe platform, but the, the APIs were not very well documented. They didn't necessarily work as you'd expect. They all have their kind of proprietary syntax as well. So if you want to put something into Marketo or into Eloqua, not only do you have to code it in a way that will work all the email clients that are available out there, you also have to code it in a way where Marketo will recognize it and people will have the ability to use it as an email that's native to Marketo. Uh, so I'd say that was one of the, the big early challenges. As we shifted to enabling marketers to be able to actually create the emails beyond the template. So we did that pivot. One of the big challenges was the the editor itself. So we actually used a um, third-party editor for the first probably year and a half. We kind of embedded that in. And it was great in that we didn't have to build out the entire editing experience. And we we could focus more on 
kind of what enterprise companies needed in terms of approvals, uh, building modules, those kinds of things. But it was also one of the big challenges is we were using this plugin in a way that it wasn't really meant to be used to be uh, extended uh, kind of that way and having to come up with creative and interesting solutions to try to get what our clients wanted without having access to that core technology was was uh, definitely a big challenge in the early, early days. That's super interesting because we've had other conversations where it's about getting that MVP solution in the early stages. You're working towards your minimum viable product in one realm and using some third-party tools that might not be the best fit, but while you're inching towards what that core target customer will actually need, it sometimes takes a little bit of Frankensteining to get it off the ground. But once you know what the actual need is, then you can just put pedal to the metal on actually developing something new, developing something proprietary. And when it's for enterprise customers too, and they're biting, nice, you did it well. Yeah, yeah we, so- got, we got really fortunate in the early days as well with, we had a couple of customers, Citrix and Pfizer, that could see the future and had a vision. And we were able to work very, very closely with them to understand their pain points and solve their pain points and figure out how we build something that can apply to any other enterprise company, right? And I think that really set us up for for success. And it's something we've continued to do. We do have sort of our own roadmap and our own vision for the product. But by working with these very large companies, we're able to align our vision with theirs. And sometimes it's reprioritizing things. But then when we do build something, we have some of our most important customers wanting to use it right away and giving us that feedback. And then that makes it so all the other customers coming in after are using something that's tested, that we know works and uh, keeps, yeah, keeps our customer base really happy. And they help fund some of that as well, right? If we're building something in partnership with them. So you're making sure that they're going to get what they need out of the solution and that the partnership's also not a waste of their time in any way. It's explicitly to help them reach their goals while you're getting your goals there as well. And again, just having that access to big enterprise clients who can really help you get to the root of that problem, it clears the barriers to entry and the barriers to adoption that anybody who might be wondering, oh, is this for me? Well, yeah, proof is in the pudding. We worked with our Citrixes, we've worked with our Pfizer's. It's it's cool stuff. Now, going specifically into said R and D, you talked a little bit about how you were working with some third party tools. We alluded a little bit to making that MVP product before you're the actual platform of choice that you are today. What have those initiatives been to date? And I guess what are the unique innovations that you've delivered as a result of that R and D? Yeah, I'd say the the first one was having to create our own editor. So as I mentioned, we used a third-party system. We got to a point where, hey, this is a very core part of NAC. We need to own it. And building that out was, yeah, was a challenge. It um, not only needed to work really well, we had to build something that was going to be a step up from what we had before, right? So if we're replacing our editor with a new editor, like our clients are not going to want to use something that is a step backwards. So we're having to replace a basically a, a platform where there's a whole entire company that's just focused on building this editor that we use. So we had to build something that was better than that. But not only that, we had to have it be 
backwards compatible so that all the emails that they would have created on the other platform would be a seamless transition to the new one. So as you can imagine, there were a lot of challenges, not only in just building that, being able to support all those those other emails, making sure that an email that they built six months ago wasn't going to all of a sudden break when it's brought into our platform. I'd say that was the first big one. That was our first big shred claim was building that out, setting up the data structure that we'll need to support it. And yeah, I think one of the big challenges there as well is that we pride ourselves on being platform agnostic. So originally we only had a couple of platforms sent our emails to or landing pages to, um, but we're up to probably a dozen now. And our goal is that you build a knack and then what you build, you can send that to any platform uh, without having to recreate it. So if you migrate from Marketo to Salesforce Marketing Cloud or to Eloqua, whatever you've built continues to be up to date and work in whatever platform you're in. Uh, so that adds a, a piece as well where we're having to do all the transformations to turn the code to the syntax that those platforms receive. So that's also been an, a challenge there. And then we got into the landing page space a couple of years ago as well. So we originally, originally like early days, we did emails and landing page templates. But when we decided to go the builder route where you can build everything in Knack, we decided to just tackle the email space because that was where the biggest need was. But we had a lot of requests on the landing page side because generally when you're creating campaigns and emails, you need to send people somewhere. So they wanted to be able to do the landing page creation as well. So figuring out how we not repurpose, but enable our email editor to also generate landing pages and have different functionality because there's things you can do in landing pages that you can't in email. So figuring out how we architect it in a way that you, know, you build something for an email, you can take that module that you built, then use it in a landing page and then have that all work kind of seamlessly and have kind of a seamless experience for the customers as well, right? Yeah, even just thinking like versioning and making sure that things are consistent across a landing page and an email. And also that point you made about, okay, you had an email that's been working for six months. My worst nightmare is that something turned off while I wasn't looking or it stopped functioning as we expected to because I wasn't looking because, oh, we switched to system and just assumed it would hop over. So that solves a lot of problems that I know all too well. So now going into uh, the actual shred process from the Bose side, I guess you're the CTO. Yeah. What is your experience with actually working with R&D tax credits to date? And then I guess what's been your journey to finding Boast and working with us? Yeah, to start, so in the early days, we filed our first claim for Shred during those template days. And it was an absolute nightmare. I got PTSD out, out of that, basically. Huh. Um, I, yeah, we we got, spent a bunch of time putting it together. Didn't end up being, like we were very small at the time. I think it might've been 20, 30K and spent a lot of time putting it together. We worked with a consultant on it. And then we get end up getting audited and then a whole bunch of other time preparing for this audit. And at the end of the day, we got $0 for anything we had put together. And I, I, I feel pretty strongly that there were things there that were very shreddable. It was just not presented in the right way. So basically did not we kind of given up on shred and decided not to move forward on it. So the next few years, we didn't even try. And then we worked with, so a few, a few years later, team grew. We we're like, okay, well, we should probably start looking at this. We've got enough spend in R&D that 
this makes sense. It's, it's kind of lost money if we don't even apply for it. So we worked with a well-known uh, accounting firm, I guess, to put those together. And I guess the end result was pretty good. We, we got a, a decent amount of money, um, but the process was nightmare might be strong, but it, ah. the, the number of conversations and it, and whether I'm the one who should be having those conversations or not is an, another discussion, but me and my director of engineering would be in calls and we probably did 10 hours of calls with them trying to explain what NAC did, what we were doing and working with an accountant and he was doing his best to understand kind of the, the technology behind it. But I think about half, about maybe four or five hours into these meetings and, and they're all scheduled in like one or two hour chunks. I told my director of engineering, like, don't even bother like coming on these. These are kind of a waste of time. We're just kind of repeating ourselves. So we went through with it, but the amount of like the time sunk on my part um, and just the focus needed to get all that information out there was not ideal. That's so rough too, because it's between you, the accountant, and then the engineering guys. It, you're speaking three different languages at some point. So it's like, okay, mm-hmm. half of the hours spent during one meeting is probably just getting on the same page before you can even dive into like, okay, so is this qualified? Does this, or what did this wage apply to? What was the outcome of this activity? It's a ton of time. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think on, on uh, the frustrating part a little bit is that we kept having to, like every call, probably the first 15, 20 minutes was kind of re-explaining kind of what we were doing. And then you could tell there was like a chasm there and understanding between what we're saying that we're doing and what the accountant understood. And then he would put together uh, the write-up, the, the, the shred write-up and send that to us. And it's written, like, it's not how we would speak, which is just how shred works. Right. But at the same time, it's hard for us to validate that what he has put in kind of the shred speak is actually what we're doing because I don't have the trust that he really understands what it is that we're doing. So it it just created this, yeah, just made us way to have a lot of calls. And in the end, in the end, it worked out and not a slight on him. He was a great guy and we yeah worked a lot together on it, but yeah, Finding boast uh, has definitely made those made those filings much much simpler. That's what we always want to hear. Just because you're a high value member of the team, and this should not be your number one focus. Just to get a, not an insignificant amount of cash back, but that's a ton of time for just one piece of your workflow day to day, and you have to pull in so many other people. That that's material value lost. It almost is like it's its own thing that should be a deductible if you're going to take that long to do yeah. it, more or less. But back to Boast, because we're going to get yeah. a little self-centered here. How did you hear about Boast to begin with? I, I was actually trying to think how that came up. I think I had, because of the challenges we were having, I think probably on LinkedIn or something, I had seen, I don't know if it was an advertisement or, or something about Boast. And I looked into it and I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Like It seems like a lot of the pain points that I'm I'm dealing with right now with having to communicate all this stuff to the person writing up the shred claim could be automated. So I was like, oh, that's really, really cool. And I didn't really follow up or anything, but I I did get an email, I think probably a, maybe a month later or just a, a, a reach out email. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember both. I should look into that. So I looked into it. I thought, hey, let's set up a chat. And we talked and I was like, yeah, this is really interesting. And we had signed up for a three-year contract with the accounting firm. But after that, like, this wasn't even after the first experience. It was like during that experience, I was like, 
I think we need to like see if we can get out of this contract because this is something that we is taking up way too much time. And, and we we actually also spoke with one of the engineers there at, at, at Bose who does the the interviews. And I was like, oh my gosh, like in that half an hour we spoke, I think he understood more about what NAC does than the eight hours I've been spending with with the other guy, right? So I just felt that there was like a common understanding there of what we were solving, what we were doing. And and that's sort of how so we decided, hey, let's let's give it a shot. And we're we're filing our second claim now. And it's been, yeah, it's been really good. That is awesome to hear. When you said you were locked into a three-year contract with that old accountant, again, sounds like a nice guy, but I got PTSD on your behalf. I wouldn't want to commit to that year after year after year, just dragging to a meeting that you know is going to be a waste, at least at the beginning. Mm. I won't poo-poo them too much. Now, going into the actual refund that you've gotten back, how does NAC put that money towards R&D or how do they use that money to help fuel their runway? What kind of wins do you get with the money that we help you get back? Yeah, I think it. I think that's an area where I need to do better as a CTO is making, uh, taking that back and saying, hey, this is R&D money we're getting back. We, we should be using it for R&D. But really, I think what it does is it enables, it makes it easier for me to be able to advocate for R&D projects and really push our platform forward. It, it still is an investment regardless of the the shred money getting back and, and, and all that, right? So there, there's still an investment we have to make there, but it, it makes it easier to, to be able to convince people of the need to make that investment. And it really helps differentiate us as a platform if we're able to, to do things that are not just the little things that need to get done, but to really start being a little bit more visionary in where we want to go and try to push the envelope there, which creates uh, moats as well with competitors who might not have so our biggest competitors in the US and from my understanding there's there's not nothing like that there so I think this is a really good way for us to be able to put some money in R&D really push the platform forward really elevate our technology to be able to do that and one of the things we're talking about this year is starting to put together a bit of a labs division on the engineering team where all we would do is kind of really that R&D stuff and knowing that, hey, we can get some money from Shred, we can get some money from IRAP on some of these things. It really helps be able to, to fund that and really make sure we're, we're able to continue to grow, keep our customers happy, hire more people, all that good stuff. That's so cool. Yeah. And even I feel like just by virtue of qualifying for Shred and for qualifying for IRAP, that's kind of like a badge of distinction for you guys. You're doing something that is new. Like you have to hit a threshold of innovation to even get that money back and you're demonstrating it. And I'm glad that Post is able to help you get that money back, but really also just demonstrate your innovation. If we can speak the same language with you, if we can save you time at the beginning of the call, not having to just get on the same page. And then ultimately you have this credibility baked in. That's huge, especially when you're on an expansion path and especially when you're growing. It's not just about the money that you're going to get back to plug into it, but the impression you're making on the larger kind of tech ecosystem by having this money in your back pocket and by having your claims validated every year. Patrick, I know we're about at time. No, this was this was great. Um yeah, thanks for having me on and yeah, thanks thanks again for all the help we we've been getting with Boast. I do really think that it makes a big difference to be able to get that shred, to be able to get be able to put that money into R&D. The engineers love it, being able to work on cool new things as well. And then, yeah, you're just making it a lot easier for us to be able to to file for it because yeah, if we had to go through all that 
rigmarole every time that we are filing a, a shred claim that might dissuade us from from applying some years and which might dissuade us from putting that money into the the R&D that we do. So oh, it's been great. Thanks for having me on. It's It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Patrick. Have a great one. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. And thank you listeners for joining us. Please subscribe to What the Tech from Boast AI wherever you get your podcasts.